Okay, and welcome back, everyone. Today, we have uh, an interesting message uh, that happens to be on a subject that, well, quite frankly, it's very controversial with some religions. Uh, we're going to be talking about tongues as it relates to in the Bible. We're going to do a verse-by-verse -verse explanation that, in my opinion, it completely destroys uh, some of this garbage teaching that all Christians are supposed to have this gift. Um, and if we don't have it, we're, some would say you're not even saved. And we are going to do, uh, we're going to explain biblically how you should actually understand this gift and how it should be used. So I have appropriately titled this Tongues, the Truth with No Gibberish. So let's just go ahead and dive in today. Is tongues an angel language? Um, let's dive in and see what the Bible has to say about it. First Corinthians, we're going to read from First Corinthians. If you have a Bible, it's chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And this is what Paul writes. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I want you to notice this word, if, I intentionally uh, highlighted it a different color so it stands out. He says, if, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body, to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. And I got to ask you, do you, you recall any verses about Paul removing uh, mountains? No, I don't. Did he give away all of his possessions? I, I haven't read that. Uh, did he surrender his body to be saved? Again, exaggeration, I think here, is, he's, it's exaggeration to make a point. What he's really doing here is he's highlighting the importance of love. So then, does God give us instruction about tongues? Does Paul write anything about this? Well, let's find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. He says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, uh, but especially that you may prophesy. What is he saying? Both are good, but we're soon going to see which one of these is more valuable? Is it tongues or prophecy? And note that prophecy simply means in today's terms, it's to build each other up. All right. So again, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, he says, for uh, one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I will agree. Quoted alone, this will cause all kinds of bad teaching. So if we continue, I think we're going to soon see why no one understands. There's no interpreter. The church is abusing in this particular letter. Paul's addressing a church that is abusing the gift, and Paul is not lifting them up, but rather he's actually calling them out. You might say he's actually slamming them or putting them in their place. So then we get to verse three and four. He says, 
but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification. Now, this is your description of prophesying. One who prophesies, pros, pro, <laughs> sorry, guys, speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consultation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. So prophesying uh, is good. It edifies the church. The one talking in tongues edifies himself. Bad, not good in this particular story. No, in this particular letter, I'm sorry. No mention of any kind of tongue speaking that you should be doing at home and then a different kind that you're supposed to be doing at church, as some would say. Nowhere are we taught about how to speak in tongues in the privacy of our home or when we're all alone, as some wrongly teach. Verse five, he says, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy, and greater is no one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. And I want you to notice Paul wishes <laughs> that they all spoke in tongues, so apparently they don't all speak in tongues. But why all? For sharing the gospel. Who's getting edified by prophesying? The churches. And again, I want to point this out. No mention here of doing this in private. This is an argument that many people try to make. Oh, it's for edifying myself, and I'm supposed to be doing it in my closet, my prayer closet. Not seeing this anywhere in the scriptures. We'll continue. Verse six says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge? or of prophecy, or of teaching. Verse seven, 7 then says, Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce the distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? In meaning no one knows what you're saying. Cut it out. Stop it. You sound crazy. No one gets you, is what Paul's telling us here. Verses 8 to 10 then says, for if the, for if the bugle produces uh, an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Paul saying, guys, people need to understand you. They either need to speak the language of those that are around them or get an interpreter. Stop all this gibberish nonsense, you foolish uh, Corinthians in this letter. Verse 11, then he says, there are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world. And no, now I want you to notice this, languages in the world. What's the context? Languages in the world. And no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be the one who speaks like a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. Clearly, this is about human languages. 
And if you're doing anything different, if you're out there, la, 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 just uh, flipping your tongue everywhere, trying to impress people with it, how religious and ominous you are with your fake tongue speaking, you're a barbarian. You look like a fool. Uh, and I'm not trying to be rude here, but I think Paul's trying to make this point. Paul's using this term barbarian. People look at you like you're absolutely nuts. So then we continue with verse 12. He says, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Again, this gift is about edifying the church. It is not about edifying yourself as they have been doing. And many today are still trying this fake tongue speaking stuff as a means of edifying themselves. I don't mind saying every spiritual gift, no matter what it is, is for edifying the church, not for edifying yourself. Verses 13 and 14, he says, therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit pray, prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the idea here? The idea is without an interpreter, you are saying things that you don't even understand. Your mind doesn't get it. The reason you can speak in a different language is because others who happen to speak that language you're speaking at the moment, they can understand it. Then verse 15, he says, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my mind. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. He's saying, I am going to speak and sing in my spirit, but in a language that our minds can all understand. Verse 16, otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? In other words, no one can agree with you. No one's going to be going, amen. How can they if you don't speak their language? So, hey, you guys, stop abusing this. Let's be real and let's talk in a language that our human minds can actually understand. You're speaking to someone, not to yourself. Verse 17, he says, for you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. Sure, you give thanks however you try to put it out of your mouth, but the purpose is to edify other people. And again, that is the same thing with all other spiritual gifts. Verse 18 and 19, again, of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words. Now listen, I desire to speak just five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Why well, thank God? Because he's sharing the gospel everywhere. But in, 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 in local churches, he does not do that. He knows that this gift, Paul is saying, this gift is for missionary work. Verse 20 to 21, he says, brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, uh, but in your thinking be mature. In the law, in the law it is written, be men of strange tongues, um, by men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak 
to this people, and even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So some will get saved, share the gospel in tongues, and still others won't believe. So what is the point behind tongues? It's to share the gospel with unbelievers, right? It's not to prove that you are saved, right? It's not to prove that you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's not the purpose. God would like you possibly to be able to stand in China in front of a group of Chinese people and share the truth about Jesus in a tongue that they would get because you would actually be speaking Chinese. Whether or not you understand it is uh, not the point. It's that they understand the gospel that you're sharing with them. Verse 22, he says, so then uh, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe. Oh, you get that? It is for a sign, not for you who believes, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, right? Remember, we're encouraging, we're lifting each other up. Prophesying is, to, um, uh, is, is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. And then verse 23 says, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not think you're mad? Listen, if no one understands you, I'm telling you, they will think you're nuts. They will think you're crazy. In fact, it will lead them away from the church. Even as a believer, I've been in these buildings where there's 10 people going nuts uh, speaking. Uh, they're not speaking a different language. They're speaking gibberish. No one understands them. The believers who at least have a little bit of intellectual honesty, they're looking at these people like they're totally insane. And I don't mind saying I walked out I and mean, I, I literally I walk out. I'm not interested in being part of a cult. And that's what these people are. They are an absolute cult and they're faking some type of gift to get some type of attention cast on them when the attention all belongs to Jesus. No one's buying, or there might be a few people buying, but few people are buying when you're out there just going, blah, 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 whoever they may be, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? All right, verse 24, he says, but if all prophecy, if, if all prophecy uh, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. So building each other up, is a way everyone is convicted of truth. It's a competition, folks. That's what we're seeing here, a competition between two things. And what we're discovering is that it's prophecy that is far more important than you running around speaking in tongues. Verse 25, he says, um, he secrets, the secrets of his heart, I think I did not copy all that over correctly. I believe it's the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so... He will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. So they need to worry more about prophecy than they need to worry about tongue speaking. Verse 26, what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. It's all about edification. Tongues are fine 
only if other people understand it again, or you have an interpreter that will allow them to understand it. If you don't have one or the other, you're doing something wrong and you either are in a cult or you're certainly teetering, excuse me, uh, heading towards being in a cult. Verse 27 and 28, if anyone speaks in a tongue, it does, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn, one at a time, and one person must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent, zip it, right? He must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. We continue to verses 29. We're going to go a little fast here. I'm just going to rush through uh, verses 29 to, uh, to through 38. Don't have a lot of commentary on these. Uh, let two or three prophets speak and uh, let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. Zip it. Shut up, right? For you can all prophesy one by one. Guys, and I don't mean to sound rude. I'm trying to be a little comical here, and sometimes I even fail at that. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted and the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets for God is not a God of confusion. He is not trying to get us standing around, scratching our head going, what in the world uh, are these people saying? But God is of peace. Uh, as in all the churches of the saints, verse 34, the women uh, are to keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but are uh, to subject themselves uh, just as the law also says. Now, I want to stop here just for a second. Um, I'm not going to do a, a lesson on this. Um, again, there's a lot more built around this. This is not saying, hey, every woman, if you're in church, shut your mouth. You're, you're not allowed to be speaking at all. Um, I, so I just want to point that out. Again, we're not going to do a lesson on that. I think we've already got another video on that. So just be careful. I don't want to just roll over that verse um, and not pointing out that there's more to it. Um, it verse 35, if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home for it is improper for a woman to speak um, in church. Was it uh, was it from you that the word of God first went forth uh, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, uh, let him recognize that the things which I write you to the Lord's command uh, that I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Verse 20, uh, verse 39, sorry. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Yeah, let's desire to build people up. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We God adores us. He's excited about us. Let's remind each other that we don't need to impress people by faking some type of gift that we don't have. If you have it, great. By the way, if you have it, we're not going to have to, you're not going to have to pitch us on it. We're going to know you have it because you're going to be speaking in a language that somebody who uh, be it Chinese or Japanese or whatever, you're going to be able to share the gospel with someone and no one's going to challenge you on it. We challenge you on it when you're speaking in gibberish and there's not a person around that understands a word you're saying. What's important? Let's build each other up. 
to share the gospel, but by golly, do it right. Do it properly and do it in an orderly manner that doesn't make people think the, the Christians have lost their minds. So the next question we have is tongues a heavenly language, as some would say. And I think Acts chapter two will address that common thing that comes up. It's verse four, he says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit was giving them utterance. I'm sorry, let me go back. Yeah, so hang on here. Uh, as they were, the spirit was giving them utterance, we're going to see what these other tongues were because that's the focus. I think that people are improperly teaching this. Um, we need to talk about, well, what are these other tongues? Verses five through six. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. You get it? There's all these men in this group from every nation. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing, wait for it, each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. The crowd was from different places. They spoke different language. And guess what? Here, we have someone sharing the gospel, and they are hearing it in their language, not, not some heavenly language. They're hearing it in the language that they speak. That is the context. Verse 7 and 8, he says, they were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all those who are, why are not all these who are speaking uh, Galleons? Sorry if I've mispronounced that. And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born. Not a heavenly language. If they're from China, they're hearing it in Chinese and someone is physically speaking the Chinese language. This is not some gibberish language that no one can understand. And then magically they're hearing it in Chinese or Japanese or wherever, whatever, pick your language, it doesn't really matter. Um, the bottom line is they are hearing their actual language because their actual language is what is being spoken here in Acts chapter two. Um, Perithians and Medes and Elamites, guys, I can chop some words up. Let's not, I don't wanna like spend a, uh, a lot of time defending it. Um, but anyway, uh, and residents of Mesothopia, uh, Judea and uh, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Pyrigia and uh, Pamphylia, uh, Egypt and the districts of uh, Libya, Libya, uh, and serene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. All right, so then we come to verse 12 and 13. He says, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, um, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet wine. Some can hear miracles. They can literally stand right there and see miracles like me speaking Chinese, which I do not. And they, they can actually witness it and they will still think you're crazy or think you're drunk, right? They accuse Jesus of being a drunkard, right? But it was not gibberish. So what about Acts Chapter 10, verse 45 and 46. 
says all all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. I want to point out, this was not Jews speaking tongues to Jews, okay? That's not what we read. That never happened ever in scriptures. You never saw a Jew speaking in tongues to other Jews. Why? Because they understood their own language. So it, while it never happened in scripture, Jews speaking in tongues to Jews, what's going on here is it's foreigners hearing the gospel. It's people from other parts of the world hearing the gospel. But what about Acts chapter 19, verse 1? Uh, I may have chopped this up. I'm sorry. I Clearly, I've chopped the verses up and how I pasted them. But let's just go ahead and read them. It says, it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Now, in Corinth and Ephesus, many languages were spoken. These are disciples from different areas speaking different languages, right? So we come over to verses six through seven. Follow me here. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came, came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were all in all about 12 men. So they understood each other. They spoke each other's language is what the context is here. So what are the takeaways here? The takeaways are that tongues are for sharing the gospel. The takeaway is that tongues is a human language. The takeaway is that tongues should only be used in a church when it can be understood or interpreted by someone who understands what you're saying. And all gifts are to edify others. They are not designed to edify ourselves. They understood each other. They spoke each other's language. Uh, and that is our context. And that's what we, how we should be viewing this gift of speaking in tongues. Is it a real gift? Absolutely. What should it look like? We should not be looking at someone that we think is crazy, right? We should be able to look at someone and know, hey, this guy is really, really speaking in tongues. He's got my friend over here who doesn't speak any English looking with his eyes popping because he's hearing about Jesus in his language. Folks, I hope you enjoyed today's study. And if so, please remember to comment, uh, like, and share this video. And may God bless each and every one of you.